If you would turn with me this evening to uh, the book of Romans, we began a few weeks ago a new series, and this, I believe, is our fifth session, so really to get the most out of tonight, it would have helped to, if you'd have heard the previous four, tapes are available, soon CDs and DVDs will be available. Are you glad about that? Yeah, we'll catch up to the 2004. But we thank for what we've been able to do too, aren't we? I mean, you know, sometimes you got to remind yourself we're just two and a half years old. I mean, that's not that old and we got to be thankful. Amen. But how many believe the Lord's got a lot further he can take us? Oh, we just, I mean, we had, how many believe, you know, as they say, we hadn't seen anything yet. I mean, we, God's a big God. Oh, he can do so much if we'll just cooperate with him and yield to him and follow him, obey him. In Romans chapter 5, we'll begin reading in verse 12. Romans 5, 12. Back up to verse 8. <laughs> but God commends his love toward us. How many know that he loves you? In that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us, much more than being now justified by his blood. Now, let's just stop right there. Being when justified? Now. Are you justified now? How? Say it out loud. I'm justified now by his blood. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Do we have to be scared and concerned about the wrath of God coming on the earth or judgment? No, 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 not us. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved. By his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement, or actually the margin says the reconciliation. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin's not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Death did what? Death reigned. It ruled and reigned. Verse 15. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. The King James here is pretty King Jamesy. <laughs> How many understand you don't we don't talk like that? We don't say not as the Ford, so is the Chevy. What would we say? The Ford is not like the Chevy, right? That's what we'd say. Or the Chevy is not like the Ford. Well, that's, you know, sometimes it'll help you to read another translation or two because 
you know, this was originally written not in Elizabethan English, not in English at all, but in Greek. So it's a translation. It's a good one. Don't you misunderstand me. I like the King James. But uh, even so, thank God for the Holy Ghost. Right? (laughs) He helps you out through past the these and the thous and the dursts and all this. He said the offense is not like the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, has abounded to many. And not as it was by one that sinned is the gift. Now that's another way of saying it. What Jesus has done in the gift is not like the sin that happened in Adam. Right? How many understand he he keeps repeating the thought, why? What Jesus has done is far greater than what Adam did. Right? Because of the sin that came through Adam, death reigned over the earth and over everybody born in the earth. How many understand if there had never been any sin, there would never have been any death. Death was not a part of God's original plan. To say that death was a part of God's original plan, you have to say sin was. Did he know it was going to happen? Yeah, he knows the end from the beginning. But just because God knew it was going to happen doesn't mean it's his will. Doesn't mean it pleases him. All of the death, all of the destruction, all of the lack, all of the sickness, all of the heartache, all of the abuse in the earth is because man has a free will. Not because God chose it for us. Not because it's God's will and God's plan. Now some people try to say it, but friend, God's a good God. He made the earth and he made man the way he wanted it. And the effects of sin on man and the earth is not an improvement on God's original design. Right? How many of you in the beginning we see perfection? And after everything is changed and uh, God, you know, restores everything and there's no more curse. What's it like in the end? Perfection. Glory to God. That's the will of God that never changes. That was his will. It will be his will. What about now? It is his will. He doesn't change. But he truly gave man a free will. So man can choose to disobey God. And so what's the wages of sin? Death. That doesn't please God. In fact, death is not of God. You know, I don't care to hear people say, you know, well, God took them in death. The Bible tells us, don't just look at me like that now. 1 Corinthians 15, read it, says death is the enemy of God. It's the last enemy of God that will be put underfoot. No. Glory to God soon and very soon. We'll be in a situation where we can never die. The flowers don't die. The trees don't die. The animals don't die. Nothing ever die again. Hmm. You looking forward to that? Won't be long. Won't be long. Now, uh, we're closer to the fulfillment of all these things than anybody else, any generation has ever been. Right? We're closer to it than anybody's ever been. Aren't you glad the Lord let you live in this day? I guess he could have had you live a long time ago, you know, but, but you and I are, whew, we're in this generation where so much knowledge and so much revelation and, 
And so many things. How many want to be on the very cutting edge, so to speak, of what God's doing in the earth? And we know we could be the generation that sees him come back. Thanks be unto God. Keep reading. He said, verse 16, not as it was by one that sinned is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Have you heard this word come up again and again? Justification, right? Justified by his blood. Now, the same word that's translated justified is translated made righteous, made just, made right, made righteous. A lot of times these are the same words. The idea is the same. And he said, not as by the one that sinned is the gift. By the one who sinned, judgment came to condemnation. Everybody say sin. Sin. Condemnation. Condemnation. Judgment. Judgment. Now that's the effects of sin. That's what happened through Adam. But what happened through Jesus? The free gift is of many offenses under justification. For if by one man's offense, death did what? Reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. If we really knew what that meant, Service would probably be over. We'd just run and shout and yell and until and, we fell out. Get up and do it again. Well, that's why we're preaching on it. So we can find out what it means. Death reigned. But what about now since Jesus has come? Do we have to let death reign over us? Does sin have to rule us? Does condemnation have to govern us? No. Now that Jesus has come. If you put faith in him and you receive the free gift, you receive the abundance of grace and the gift of what? Look at it in your Bible now. What enables us to reign in life by one Jesus Christ? Abundance of grace and what? The gift of righteousness. So what if people are not reigning in this life? then they're not receiving and operating in the abundance of grace. And they haven't come to to the realization that they've been made righteous. They haven't received and they're not operating in the knowledge of this righteousness. Even when you say the word, so many Christians, it's just they've heard it, but they don't really have a clue what it means. What do you mean righteous? And most people would quickly agree that it sounds like something they're probably not. And people will tell you, well, you know, I, I do the best I can. Ask people sometimes that claim to be Christians. Just look them in the face and say, are you righteous? What would most Christians respond? Well, I, I, would, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I mean, I, I try to live right, you know. Well, are you righteous? Well, this is not fair to ask that in this church. I mean, yeah. (laughs) But I'm glad you're telling me that. 
But do you see what I'm talking about? This is not widely known or seen or believed. And it's also why Christians in general are not reigning in life. Now we've touched on a number of different things, but tonight I want us to begin to get into this. How do we reign in life by Christ Jesus? Tell me again. We do it by the abundance of grace. Well, if it's grace, it's not works. Right? If it's by grace, it's not by intense effort. If it's by grace, it's not because you earned it or merited it or deserved it. It's by grace. Do we have enough grace to do it? Abundance of grace. Is his grace enough? Is his grace sufficient? Oh, yeah. Yeah. We don't just have grace. We got abundance of grace. Can we reign in life by Christ Jesus? We are graced to do so abundantly. It's by the abundance of grace and what? The gift of righteousness. How do you become righteous? Back up and look at that word. It's the what? Gift. Righteousness is not earned. Righteousness is not attained. You don't develop into righteousness. It's a gift you receive. I'm going to say some things you may have to think about tonight. But they must be said. And we will be choked. We will be at an impasse if we don't get a hold of this and grow in this as a church. We got to find out that we're righteous. We can't be wondering about it and struggling with it. It has to be just like we know our name and beyond. We have been made the righteousness of God in Christ. Do you know this? Do you believe this? Till it's real to you, you will not rule and reign. You can know all the authority principles. You can know principles of faith. But until you know this, you will not rule and reign. For we reign by the abundance of grace and by the gift, oh, thank God, gift of righteousness. Somebody in this place that's been born again for 50 years and walked with God closely is no more righteous than someone who got saved last night. Did you hear that? Someone who's been walking with God and faithful to God and obedient to God, who has a worldwide ministry, walking with God for 50 years, is no more righteous than somebody who got saved an hour ago. You cannot grow in righteousness. Did you hear me? Now you can increase in righteous works. But you do not grow in righteousness. Because how did your righteousness come? How do you become righteous? Oh friend. Just camp on this word tonight. It will help you. How do you become righteous in the eyes of God? It's a gift. Say it out loud. It's a gift. Say it again. It's a gift. It's a gift. Righteousness is a gift. Right? How do you get a gift? You just receive it. Right? You receive it. Glory be to God forevermore. 
<laughs> if we just stop right now, it would have been worth you coming tonight. Right? It's a gift. Now, I'm going to say some of the same things, but I'm going to say them in different ways. The condemned ones, the guilty ones, the ashamed ones, the timid ones do not reign in life. They're operating under sin. And death reigns over those who are in sin and under sin. And there has been this stuff preached in the church world for centuries about how we're just old sinners saved by grace. That's not true. I said, that's not true. And people have the idea that, well, no, I'm, you know, I'm not, I wouldn't say I was righteous or, or holy now, but if I just hold on when I die, then the Lord, you know, it'll finish. Are you saying that it takes death to finish redemption work? The enemy of God is what perfects the work of Christ? Well, when I get to heaven, no, friend, if you're not righteous now, <laughs> you're not going to be. Right? Well, I, I'm working for it. That means you're not. Well, I'm working hard to be saved. That means you're not saved. Right? Well, we're working hard to get to heaven. Then you're lost. Because we have to submit and yield to his righteousness, admitting ours was not enough. Admitting we couldn't attain salvation through our righteousness. So what do we do? You quit trying to earn your salvation and you receive the free gift. But when you're saved, people don't understand. They think, well, that means I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to miss hell. But no, it's much, much, so much more than that. If that's all it was, it'd be wonderful. But it's so much more than that. You're not just saved from hell. You've been made righteous. You've been made a son of God, not just a servant. His sons can and should serve him, but you're not just a servant. You have been made a son with full right standing and sonship privileges with the Most High, the Creator of the heavens and the earth, claims you as his son. Now get this, I'm going to jump ahead and say this, and then I'm going to come back and say it again. And in his sight, you are just as righteous as Jesus, his firstborn. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. I said, why could you say such a thing? You either are or you're not saved, you're not righteous at all. Because your righteousness and mine is unacceptable. How could you say that? Because it's his righteousness that we are righteous with. It's his. And in that case, I'm just as accepted of him as Jesus is. I'm just as righteous in his eyes as Jesus is. Why? 
Because it's his righteousness that was given to you and me as a gift. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. When this dawns on your spirit, when it renews and illumines your mind, you become bold. Not pushy, not haughty, not arrogant. But bold. Why? You're bold because you know. Timidity leaves you. Fear leaves you. What does this sound like? It sounds like somebody beginning to rule and reign in their life. Are you with me now? Are you getting this? How are you going to rule and reign? By abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Have you received that gift? Yes, sir. Have you been made righteous? Yes, sir. Are you righteous? Yes, sir. What does that mean? Go with me please to 1 John. Now we're coming up friends. 1 John. Chapter 3. Oh glory to God. I tell you the Holy Ghost is interested in this. Can you tell that? First John, third chapter. I'll just warn you, we may get happy tonight. <laughs> Maybe we have to put this label on the tape or something. It may cause extreme joy. <laughs> First John three. <laughs> Do you, I know I keep saying it, but do you understand? The church world has not known what happened to us when we got saved. The church world has not known what happened when Jesus died and paid the price for our sins. So much more than just missing hell. So much more. In 1 John 3, he said, Be, 1 John 3, 1. Behold, look at this, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Here's the Holy Ghost. Can you hear this coming through? He said, look at this, look at this. What kind of love God has shown on us that we should be called the sons of God. Somebody said, well, you know, boy, maybe when I die I can become an angel. Why would you want to? That'd be a demotion. No, you, they would like to be sons of God. Oh, no. There's nothing higher than the sons of God except God. He said, beloved, excuse me, he said, therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. They don't know who we are. If they did, you couldn't fit the folks in here tonight. And in every other church in the country and world. If they knew who we are and who he is and what they can be too. Why don't they know us? 
They didn't know him. We just got through reading that in John, didn't he? He came unto his own. And his own received him not. Why? They didn't know him. So sad. It had been preached in the synagogues for century after century about the Messiah, about the anointed one. People and scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees, they had preached out of Isaiah and preached out of Deuteronomy. And here is the one they've been preaching about and they hate him. Did not recognize him. Let's see to it that that does not happen to us. You know, I heard uh, Dr. Lester Summerall say this years ago. He came and spoke at a seminar at the school where I was attending him at Ramah. And he, he began to get into this and he talked about how that so many times people were in the presence of greatness and just clueless about it. That's my word. That he talked about individuals he knew that were such men and women of God. But the people around them just maltreated them. Just almost let some of them starve. And people that had come up under them and fed on their teachings didn't see them until after they were gone. And then several years later they wrote all these books and how what a great apostle and what a great, what a great prophet. But they didn't see it. They didn't know it. You see it not just in ministry, but you see it on every hand. I've had uh, men and women come and just cling to me six months after their spouse had gone home. And just spastic, just going, you know, oh my, my brother Keith, I had no idea what that woman meant to me and what that man meant to me and what a woman of God and what a man of God. Well, it's a little late. Right? See to it that you're not that way. See to it that you have eyes to see. And you value what is valuable. Right? Jesus came into his own hometown, didn't he? Did they value him? No, they judged him after the flesh. They said, who is this? This is Joseph and Mary's boy. How many understand God's going to use somebody? Right? I mean, he's using human beings in the earth today, right? Well, human beings were born somewhere. Right? Human beings get dressed just like you do. Right? Human beings eat like you do, sleep like you do, have to deal with all their emotions and feelings just like you do. You know, the biggest problem with preachers is they're like you. <laughs> right? They're human. They're like you. Somebody said, how in the world could they do that? Well, how did you? You know how. <laughs> well, they ought not do it. Well, you ought not either. But he said, verse 2, beloved, did you get that next word? Are you there? 1 John 3, 2, beloved, what? Now. Now are we the sons of God. Oh, what a statement. Oh, what a statement. When? When we get to heaven. When we work real hard and grow and develop to the 99th level of faith. No, right now. Right now. Right now, we are, right now, the sons of God, right now. That's male and female, you understand? Male and female sons of God. In Christ, there is neither male nor female. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, what? 
He will be glorious and holy, and we will be sad and lowly. For he is the great king, and we are the lowly worms that he saved in his pity. But different variations of that are preached. No, when we see him, we are going to be so thrilled because we're going to go, Hey, yeah, we're like you, Lord. We're like you. We should have known it already. He's told us. We're in him. He's in us. And we are complete in him. Oh, hallelujah. The church has been so ignorant of this. And oh, the devil's so scared you're going to find this out. Oh, he's so scared. Too late, too late. Tough. We're not only going to find out about it, we're going to keep it in front of us. We're going to talk about it when we go to bed. We're going to talk about it with our spouses at the table. Talk about it with our children in the car. We're going to talk about it when we get up in the morning. I'm righteous. He's made me righteous. Right now, I'm a son of God. Who do you think you are? I'm finding out. How about you? When we see him, what are we going to think? What are we going to see and know? We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. See, on the earth, so many people saw Jesus through tradition and men's doctrine colored glasses. You know, so the reason why so many people are not in church, because they've never seen Jesus. They've seen what people told them Jesus was. And it's not so. They've seen a God who's cruel and hard and unforgiving. They've seen somebody they can't even relate to and compare. But it ain't the truth. Jesus took on flesh and blood. He was tempted in all points. Just like us. Everything you've ever felt, he's felt. You believe that statement or not? I said everything you've ever felt, he's felt. Everything you've ever been through, he's been. You might say, how, brother? Brother Keith, how could that be so? How could Jesus know what it's like to fail God miserably and to sin in the same area for the thousandth time? He felt it all when he took that sin and bore it on the cross and was judged for it. Didn't he cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Anything you've ever felt, he's felt and beyond. But is he there tonight? Is he on the cross tonight? Is he under condemnation tonight? No. Now, you've got to keep that in mind because that's going to really make you happy here in a minute. Was he there? Is he there now? No. 
Is he experiencing any sin or condemnation now? No. Is he glorious? Seated at the right hand of the Father. Majesty on high. Is he spotless? Is he pure? Holy. Perfectly righteous. Yeah, but he had all your sin on him. We're going to talk about that more in just a minute. Now go to the fourth chapter. Some of you are trying to get ahead of me a little bit. You, That's all right. That's why I did it. I want you to be thinking about it. I'm going to read you some powerful statements here in a minute. So you better hold on to your chair there. First John 4. And uh, 17. 417, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now let's just stop right here. That we might have what? When? In the day of judgment? You're bold? The Bible talks about judgment when people are screaming and crying for mountains to fall on them and cover them. Right? But you and I in the day of judgment are doing what? <laughs> hey, Jesus. It's us. It's that Branson Faith Life Bunch. You know us. I said, no, you won't. You'll be groveling under a rock. No, I won't. I believe this. I believe this right here. Who do you think you are? We're finding out. We're finding out. In the day of judgment, you may have what? Boldness. Why? Keep reading. Keep reading. Read the text. Why? Because as he is, so will we be. As he is, so are we when we're glorified in heaven. Now? In this world? Right now in this world, what? As he is, so are we. How is he? He's righteous. He's pure. He's clean. He's holy. He's completely loved and accepted of the Father. So am I. So are you. to God oh glory to God it may be hard for you to sleep tonight I don't know you may be so excited I'm just as loved of the father as Jesus is I'm just as righteous as he is I'm just as accepted of God as he is why Because he's accepted me in him. 
My righteousness is not my own. It's his. My holiness is not my own. It's his. But when the father sees me, that's what he sees. That's why you and I can come boldly before the throne of grace. No other way could you come in there like that. Nobody has ever lived good enough or been perfect enough or been obedient enough to come in the presence of the Almighty because of what they've done. Nobody ever has, ever will, except one. And he did it not for himself. He was already in the presence of the Father. He was already accepted. He was already loved. He was already perfect and pure and righteous. So why did he do it? He did it for us so that we could be equally accepted. We could be equally loved. We could be equally righteous. As he is, so are we right now in this world. Say it out loud, as he is, so are we in this world. This is so true. That when we see him coming, we're going to be delighted and go, ha, 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 I'm like you. He said, I told you, I've been telling you in the Bible all of your life. And in the day of judgment, when people who don't know him, who've rejected him, who've blasphemed him, are screaming and running and trying to get away, you and I stand right out in the open. Unafraid, unashamed, why? As he is, so are we. Right now. Beloved, now are you the sons of God. Oh, glory to God. Does this do something for you like it does for me? I'm telling It's the Bible. I said, it's the Bible. The problem is, millions and millions of people have set up their church as the authority. Millions of others have set up science as the authority. Millions of others have set up their traditions as the authority. You ask people what they believe. You watch what I'm saying. People, you know, maybe not folk that go to this church so much, but you ask other folk what they believe, and they'll talk to you for an hour and never mention a scripture. My church, my this, my denomination. You know what that means? What I believe. You know what that means? What grandpa thought. There's only one thing that's the solid rock that you can build your life on. And no matter what kind of storm comes and winds blow, you will stand. And in this life and in the next, you will stand only one thing. One thing, it's the word of the living God. Purified seven times. Holy, righteous. He said heaven and earth will pass away, but this my word will never pass away then that's what we should build our life on that's what we base our believing on and our thinking on why would you think you're not righteous 
Well, I don't feel, Brother Keith. Well, see, you've elevated your feelings above the word. Well, we just always thought and we just always believed. You've elevated your tradition and your family and your ancestors above the word of God. Well, I've just failed so many times, Brother Keith. I've made so many mistakes. You've elevated your sins above the righteousness of God. You've got more confidence in your sins than you do in the righteousness of Jesus. I know that's a big statement, but it's just a fact. I've had people look at me in just arguing tones, just mad through their teeth and tears, go, you don't know what I've done. I said, and you don't know how powerful the blood is. You're elevating the power of your sin. We just got through reading. Not as the sin in Adam is the blood of Christ and is the gift of righteousness. Oh, I don't care what sin has done. No sin can compare with the power of the blood of the spotless lamb of God. There is no guilt. There is no shame. There is no condemnation that is more powerful than that blood. I don't care what you've been. I don't care what you've done. How horrible it may be. The blood of Jesus is more powerful. Let's look at a scripture that we've quoted and quoted and quoted and maybe taken for granted. Back up to 1 John. The first chapter. You know where I'm going? 1 John 1, 9. 1 John 1, 9. Anybody know it? If we confess our sins... He'll forgive us, but he expects us to act humble about it for a while. Huh? Show how sorry we are that we've messed up again. That's tradition. That's man's religion, and it is contrary to the Word of God. It is insulting to the blood. If we confess our sins, what happens? What? He is faithful. What does that mean? You can count on him every time. Every time you do it, he will be there for you. Every time. What if I blow it, Brother Keith, in the same area 10,000 times? The 10,000th time, he'll be there just like the first time. He is faithful. Faithful to do what? He tells you. But not only faithful, but what? Just. Now this is a very important word. He's faithful and just to do what? To forgive us. How can he do that? He has to have a legal ability to do it. That's why this word just is in there. How could he forgive you? How could the Father God treat you like Jesus? He's got to have some right to do that. Because elsewise, I mean, the devil himself could challenge God. He say, now hold on, hold on. You going to condemn me to hell? What about your little boy? What about what he did? What about your little girl? What about all that junk they did? And what about all of this? What about all that? He's got to have a just way. To do it, that's why when Jesus prayed, Father, 
If there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. He did not get an answer that there could be any other way because there was no other way whereby you and I could have what we have today. God had no, he would have no just way to do it. But because of what Jesus has done, he is just when he forgives us. And nobody can say anything about it. Somebody said, well, how in the world God could you use them and bless them and give them that big house and car and let them preach to all these people after what they did? How could you do that, God? I know what they did. What they did to me, what they did to somebody. How could you use them in the gifts of the Spirit? And how could you bless them and give them all that money and heal their body and use their kids like you did? Friend, if they repented, if they confessed their sins and asked God to forgive them, then they are as righteous in the eyes of the Father as Jesus himself. But do you see where people miss it? They don't believe that. They believe... Well, you know, how could God use me after that? And boy, when you start down that path, the devil will come with both suitcases. And he will move in with you, my friend. And he will say, oh, you know, did you remember this? Did you forgot this? Not only did you do that, you did this. You go, oh, yeah. Oh, oh. And did you forget this? Oh, you let me replay that for you. And he'll replay it. You ever seen any of his videos? Let's quit watching them. He'll replay how ugly you were and how mean you were, how selfish you were, how vindictive you were. And he'll replay it and he'll let you hear it again. Did you hear? hear listen to the pitch in your voice when you said that. And he'll play it for you again. Look at the look in your eye. Does that look like the devil or what? Look at that. Look at that. You go, oh, I know it, I know it, I know it, I know it, I don't know what's wrong with me. Are you ruling and reigning? No. You're not about to rule and reign. No. <laughs> Why? Conscious of sin. Conscious of guilt. Shame. Condemnation. And when you're in that place, death is going to reign over you. Further into depression you go, the darker it'll get. And it feeds on itself. And you just go lower and lower. And that's how people get suicidal. That's how they get to where they can see no hope. And it's such a shame because Jesus has already paid the price for everything you've done. And he loves you and is not willing to hold any of it against you. But people don't believe it. They listen to the devil instead of to God. They listen to their feelings instead of the Bible. No, read the rest of this. If you confess your sin, what happens? He is faithful. And he is just to do what? To forgive. Well, I just don't feel like he forgave me, brother Keith. Don't do that. It's insulting. If you and I had a round. And you came, you said, Brother Keith, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? And I said, yeah, forget it. I forgive you, forget it. And you call back tonight and you say, you're crying. You say, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, I just don't feel like you forgave me. 
I told you I did. I'm a man of my word. Forget it. It's history. It's gone. It's under the blood. Forget it. Next time I see you at church, you're sitting there crying through my whole message. <laughs> you come after you go, Brother Keith, I know what you told me, but I just, I just can't get over it. I just feel like you, you're still holding against me and you have to forgive me. You're insulting me. It's like spitting in my face. It's like slapping my face. What? You're calling me a liar. Right? How much more? God who cannot lie. If he tells you he's forgiven you, forget what you feel like. His word is greater than your feelings. No matter how you feel, you say, I'm forgiven. He, I confessed it. He said if I'd confess it, he's faithful and just to forgive me. So that's it. I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. No matter how many times feelings come up, you just keep saying that. No, I'm forgiven. I've confessed it. I'm forgiven. You keep doing that, your feelings will change. Yes. But that's not all. Is it? Oh, this next phrase is very, very significant. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins. And what? Oh, my. People just completely ignored this. But what? Cleanse us from all, from how much? Does it say all? all. Did it say all in there? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, what state are you in? Completely righteous. If there was any righteous unrighteousness there, then you wouldn't be cleansed from all unrighteousness. See, this makes provision. This verse is not written for the unsaved. This verse is written to believers. When you're born again, you're cleansed. You become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And you are made the righteousness of God in Christ. If you disobey God and you sin, then you've acted unrighteously. The result is condemnation. Is there a way to get back <laughs> to that pristine, yes. pure state yes. in which you were born again? Is there a way to get back yes, to being completely yes. righteous? Right there. Thank God for First John 1, 9. Right there. If I confess it, He is faithful. He's just. He forgives me and He cleanses me from all unrighteousness and now I am righteous 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 not because of what I've done all I did was receive it right I believed it and I've received it I didn't earn it didn't attain it through intense spiritual work in life it's a gift I've received the gift and by the abundance of grace and by the free gift of righteousness, we can do what? Reign in life. When I know I'm righteous, I don't go around with my head down. When I know I'm right, I know God the Father looks at me just like he sees Jesus. I can pray. Why? He'll hear me just like he'll hear Jesus. Jesus said that, didn't he? He said, in that day, you'll ask me nothing. 
He said, whatever you ask the Father, how? In my name, that's in his righteousness, right? In the cleansing of his blood, in his authority. Whatever you ask in my name, he'll give it to you. He will hear you. Now, this will help you with another scripture. The Bible said, gives us an example of Elijah as a righteous man praying and the heavens were shut up and he prayed again and the heavens were open and it said the earnest, heartfelt, effectual prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working and people read that and go, oh yeah, boy if I could attain to be righteous. You are! You were when you were born again. You are! If you believe that, then your prayers make tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Your prayers avail much. Why? You're a righteous man. Righteous woman. Righteous son of God. Now we've got to keep telling ourselves this, don't we? We've got to keep hearing it and saying it. Why? Because your mind's got to be renewed. We're dealing with centuries and more. Of unbelief. People think if you're humble, that means you're condemned. I had a preacher just the other night in the meeting come by and said, uh, you know, hi. I said, how you doing, man? He said, ah, he said, y'all don't give up on me. That's not okay. I started to correct him right there. But I didn't feel like I should. But that's not right. Why? Well, y'all keep praying for me. Why? <laughs> well, I'm doing the best I can. You know, I, y'all just bear with me. What's all that talk? See, that's supposed to be humble. And it is nowhere in the same state with humble. Actually, there's a ton of spiritual pride in it because you're saying, I may not be perfect, but you know, I'm, I'm doing all right. You're talking about in your own righteousness. And they accuse us of being haughty because <laughs> we say we're the righteous. We're admitting. <laughs> hey, I couldn't do it and I'd have never been able to do it. So I just received the free gift. Of righteousness. But I am just as righteous as Jesus himself. Why? Because it's his righteousness. It's his. Oh, glory to God. Come on, just praise him a little bit right now. Just, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. Thank you for washing us. Thank you for cleansing us. Thank you for making us righteous. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Go with me please to uh, 2 Corinthians. The 5th chapter. Well, I got mostly through page 1. Of nine pages. No, eight. Excuse me, eight. Don't get concerned. I'm not going to try to. You going to be back next week? Good. Good. 
2 Corinthians. Be back with your righteous self. Yeah. Second <laughs> Corinthians, the fifth chapter. The Bible said in verse 17, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man, is this just for preachers? No. Who? Any man be in Christ. He is a new creature, or maybe a better word, new creation. He's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Then why should you be talking about it? Hmm? Why should you be hashing and rehashing and living and reliving? The failures and sins, mistakes of the past. If old things, if the Bible is true, how many believe the Bible is true? And old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Somebody said, well, yeah, Brother Keith, I know that's true when I was saved, but you know I've blown it since then. Have you been asleep? What were we just reading? What happens when you do 1 John 1, 9? What was the last phrase? He is faithful and just to forgive us from our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where does that put you? Right back here. Right here. Right here. New creation. Old things passed away and all things are new. You get up in the morning. What can you say? Lord, your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord taught me that personally. Have you ever missed it more than one time in the same area? How about more than ten times in the same area? (laughs) I had to. And I was coming to the Lord. You know, the problem is, if you miss it in the same area so many times, you can get to where you don't want to talk about it. You think, well, the Lord hate to even bring it up to him. Well, now, you do know he already knows. Right? People don't act like it. But I I went to him. I said, Lord, I'm sorry. Man, I know I've done this. I don't even know how many times. I'm sorry. I'm not talking about having affairs. I'm not talking about stealing money. I'm not talking about lying. But you know, the Bible says to him that knows to do good. And does it not. To him it is sin. I said, Lord, I'm I'm sorry. He said, "Uh, son... I don't remember all these other times you're talking about. And he brought the scripture to my remembrance. Their sins and their iniquities, I will remember no more. He said, as far as I'm concerned, we're only dealing with this thing right here. This one thing. He said, so don't bring it up to me. Is that Bible or not? 
then we must get our minds renewed so that we're not coming to the Lord all the time like we got all this history. Most folk didn't get that. You ought not deal with me like you've got all this history. You ought not deal with the Lord like you've got all this. Somebody said, well, you know, i got all this baggage. Why? Why? Now, I'm not talking about sinners. You expect sinners to talk this way. I'm talking about Christians. I'm talking about ministers talking about, well, you know, i got a lot of baggage. Is that right? That's some baggage you ought to lose. Permanently. And not go back and try to find it. I said, do not come to the Lord like you have a history of sin. If you missed it, you're dealing with this. What about the past? He either forgave you or he didn't. He either cleansed you from all unrighteousness or he didn't. If he did, then you're not dealing with all that. You're just dealing with today. And it's true, your sins and iniquities, he remembers no more. Friend, I'm trying to go on, but I'm kind of stuck right here. Because people do have baggage. They act like they've failed. They act like they've missed it. Why? Because they still got it on their mind. And to them, this is who I am. What about this? What about the new creation? What about the old things passed away? What about the thing, all things become new? What about that? Friend, when you get a hold of this and you believe this, when you've repented, you learn how to stand up and believe the Bible. You learn how to stand up. And no matter how you feel, if you have to, you take your hand and you pick up your head. And you say, he's the glory and the lifter of my head. I refuse to be ashamed. I refuse to be embarrassed. I refuse to dwell on the past because I have been made a new creation. All things are passed away. My sins, my iniquities, he does not remember. Another verse said he won't mention them to you anymore. So why bring them up? Why bring them up? People got more sense with men than they do with God. If they messed up on some things. I mean, if the highway patrolman pulls you over. (laughs) You say, what's the problem, officer? He says, well, nothing really. I just wanted to warn you that there's a wreck up ahead and you need to watch it. And you say, okay. But you know, back about five miles, I was doing 95 miles an hour. (laughs) And you know, last week I did 82 or three times. And you know, you didn't ask about it, but you know, I think my license is expired. <laughs> now, who would do that? Who would do what, what do people do? They just smile and go, thank you. All right. Roll the window up. And, right? <laughs> well, why when the Lord says... I've forgiven you. I've cleansed you from all of it. I won't mention it to you again. I'll remember them no more. Why would you bring it up to him? Why? See, ignorance and believing wrong things. 
Keep reading here. He said, if any man's in Christ, what is he? New creation. Old things are passed away. I know people who before they got saved were killers, murderers, drug dealers, whoremongers, everything you can think of. Thinking of a man right now, for the last several, many years, he's been a strong preacher of the gospel. One of the finer men you want to be around. What about that killer and that murderer? He don't exist anymore. Right? Old things are passed away. He's a new creation. Right? That man doesn't exist. Same thing's true about you. Say it out loud, I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. And by 1 John 1, 9, I can stay in this condition. <laughs> he said, verse 18, he said, and all things are of God who's reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. See, when people are cognizant of their sins, they run from God. When they are full of guilt and shame, they don't want to be in the presence of a holy God. When Christians who don't believe these scriptures we've talked about, believe tradition and believe their feelings, when they feel ashamed and guilty, they don't want to be around God. They don't want to be around Christians. That's why you got millions of people laying out of church right now all over this country. Why? Because they've missed it. They failed and they don't want to be around people that's living right. They don't want to be around God. Why? Condemnation. When it's such a tragedy. Because that's why Jesus took their sins and hung on the cross and paid that awful price. Why? So they could say, God, forgive me. I acknowledge this. I confess this is sin. It's wrong. I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. And then what happens? Six more weeks of groveling? Huh? Two more years of feeling like mud? Only if you are an unbeliever and refuse to believe what the Lord said. When you believe what the Lord said, you stand up and you say, oh, thank God for the blood. That's behind me. That's gone. I'm clean. I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ. And I don't care how you feel. You keep telling yourself that. You keep telling yourself that. I'm innocent. He's made me clean. And after a while, those feelings will leave you. Faith will displace fear. Can you say amen? Amen. All that feeling of guilt and shame will be removed from you because Jesus bore that. He bore your guilty feelings. He bore your shame when he bore your sin. Oh, thank God. We can be free, 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 completely free. Talk to anybody. Huh? I mean, friend, when you get to where you can come boldly before the presence of the Almighty, you can come into the throne room completely unashamed, you know, with no inferiority complex at all, then you can talk to anybody else. 
You can talk to the president. You can talk to kings. You can talk to anybody. Why? Hey, I talk to Jehovah. And if I'm good enough to hang with Jehovah, I expect I'm good enough to hang with you. Right? (laughs) If he accepts me, if he's pleased with me, then, you know, you would expect that you'd be okay with me too. Right? Do you see what I'm talking about? Not a matter of arrogance, but boldness. You get free from all the intimidation and all the inferiority complexes and all the guilt and all the junk. You just get free. Free. Have you noticed little kids, like before they're taught fear and they're taught all this stuff, man, they're not afraid to go up to anybody. Right? Talk to anybody. Boy, they just march right up. Phyllis and I have been out traveling before, and you see little ones, and some way or another, they like my beard for some reason. <laughs> and little ones will just come right over to me. I've never seen them before. And just smile and go, ah. <laughs> Just reach up and put their hand and go, hi. No fear. I understand they have no sense of guilt. Right? Has God made us this way? He has in Christ. We should be just as guilt free. Keep reading. I'm endeavoring to close. He said the Lord's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Not people running away from God. But we're going out saying hey, hey, hey. Don't run from him. Come back to him. Jesus has already paid the price for your sins. He's not mad at you. In fact, all your sins have already been paid for. Don't go away. Come back. Be reconciled to God. Telling them that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's not worms of the dust. Right? That's not lowly sinners. What is that? Ambassadors for Christ. We as ambassadors for Christ, we as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead. That's big talk, friends. That's big talk. Hmm? What if uh, Rick came in here tonight and he said, uh, I am going to speak to you tonight in Brother Keith's stead. What if you went up to the uh, White House and you walked in and you said, I'm going to uh, do some things here. In President Bush's stead. What would some folk think? Well, (laughs) who do you think you are? Well, if you've been authorized by President Bush, then you know who you are. Right? If he sent you and told you to speak for him, then you're doing what he said. Is that what I'm hearing here? God did beseech you. We pray you how? In Christ's stead. We haven't seen the fullness of this. We're talking to somebody that don't know the Lord. And we tell them, you know, I'm an ambassador of the Lord. And on his behalf, I'd like to talk to you about this. He's not mad at you. He already paid the price for all your sins. He authorized me. He sent me to tell you this. Are we his ambassadors? He said, verse 21, for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, 
that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. I think this is a good place for us to wind up tonight, and we're going to jump on that with both feet next time and just camp and camp. How many believe this verse right here? Read it out loud with me. He has made Him to be sin for us who knew no sin. Let's just stop right here. Did Jesus sin? Was He made sin? Now, this is something you've got to understand. He did not just sympathize With our sin. He literally became our sin. That's what the Bible said. Why? So that what? That, or in other words, in order that, we might be what? Made the righteousness of God in Him. Because we committed righteousness? Did he commit sin? But was he made sin? Really? Truly made sin? Yes. Just as truly as he was made sin, we are made righteous. If we are not righteous, he was not made sin. So when people want to argue with us about being righteous, they don't know what they're saying. They're trying to say he wasn't really made sin. Are you righteous? You're just as righteous as he was made sin. Hallelujah. Well, this is so big, I I don't really want to quit. Let me see if there's anything else I ought to tell you before we go tonight. Go ahead and stand up on your feet. Glory to God. Yeah, here's a statement by uh, Brother E.W. Kenyon. His little book, Two Kinds of Righteousness, if you've never read it, I recommend it to you. It's good. I think we got it back there. But Two Kinds of Righteousness, he, he compares and contrasts man's righteousness and God's righteousness. This is a quote from that. He said... Righteousness restores to man all he lost in the fall, plus a new relationship as a son with all its privileges. As surely as God made Jesus sin, God made us righteous in him. In the new covenant, our sins are not covered, but rather washed away. We need to get this now. Our sins are not covered where they might be discovered later. They are gone. They are gone. Not covered. Under the Old Testament, they were covered. Because the blood of bulls and goats was not able to take away sin. They just covered it until the next year. Oh, but the blood of the spotless lamb can take away, cleanse sin. Now get this. The fact that Jesus could leave the abode of the lost 
and go directly into the Father's presence is proof that the vilest sinner can do the same through Jesus Christ our Lord. Think about it. Why Did the Bible say he was made sin with our sin? And then the Bible said before he ascended, he descended into the lower parts of the earth. Did he bear the penalty of our sin? And did he not come out of that and go into the presence of the Most High? From what? From our sin. If he could do it, and he didn't do it for himself, then we, no matter how vile you've been, you can come out of that into the presence of the Most Holy. By Jesus. If Jesus was made righteous from all mankind's sin, and made so righteous that he could come out of hell and go into heaven. If he, after being sin, could become so righteous that he could go right into the Father's presence and sit down at his right hand and be accepted there by the Father, then everyone who accepts Jesus Christ will become as righteous as Jesus is because Jesus has made us righteousness from God. Glory to God. This righteousness permits us to stand in the Father's presence without the sense of guilt or condemnation and gives us the ability to stand in the presence of Satan without the sense of inferiority or fear. Righteousness means the ability to stand in the Father's presence as though sin had never touched us. To stand before the Father with the same liberty and freedom that Jesus had with the Father as He walked the earth. Glory to God. No sense of shame. No condemnation. No guilt. No past. No history. Just righteous and accepted of Him. Raise up your hands and begin to, just by faith, say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for making me righteous. Thank you for making me holy. Thank you for making me accepted in your sight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've been made righteous. 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 Oh, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.